0: Hello and welcome back to Tani Talks Parsha, the TTP. This year where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep. Trying to keep it in a succinct format between 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes or the like. Trying to talk about the Parsha and how we could bring it to our own lives. So we've reached Sefer Devarim, which is basically the book that talks about the last... 37 or so days of Moshe's life. Moshe talking to the people, recounting the history of what happened and giving guidance for them and future generations as well as us, the reader, and the future generations of the Jewish people. What can we learn from the fact that it says Devarim? What can we learn from the fact that it's a book about words? What can we think about when it comes to the idea of words? First of all, let's think about the fact of what the the book really talks about. So Chabad points out on the first of Shavat, 37 days before his passing, Moshe begins his repetition of the Torah to the assembled children of Israel, reviewing the events that occurred and the laws that were given in the course of their 40-year journey from Egypt to Sinai to the Promised Land, rebuking the people for their failings and iniquities, enjoining them to keep the Torah, observe its commandments in the land that Hashem is giving them as an eternal heritage, into which they shall cross over after he dies. Moshe recalls his appointment of judges and people to ease his burden of meeting out justice to the people teaching them the word of hashem the journey from sinai through the great and fearsome desert the sending of the spies the miraglim which was a terrible outcome and the people's subsequent spurning of the promised land so that hashem decreed the entire generation of the exodus would die out in the desert Also against me Moshe says Was Hashem angry for your sake Saying you too shall not go in there Moshe and Aaron did not get to go Into the promised land They both died outside Moshe got to see the promised land And and commentators explain He saw through Jewish history But he didn't get to go into the promised land He davened many 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 times Hundreds of times Hashem says to him if you daven one more time I'm going to have to let you in I cannot have another prayer You cannot go into the land so it's interesting that moshe talks about the events he also recounts some more recent events the refusal of the nations of moab and amon to allow the jews to pass through the countries the wars against the Amorite kings sikhon and og and the settlement of their lands by the tribes of reuven and god and chatzishev at menashem moshe's message to his successor his student yoshua will take the people into the land and lead them in the battles of and and for its conquest and actual divide of the land which took seven years and seven years and Hashem says, "Fear not, Al will tafchidu." We would say, and nowadays I'm not so good with my grammar for Hebrew, but don't fear them, for Hashem He shall fight for you. Hashem Yilachem Lachem. The Atem Tacharishun. It says in Shemot when it was around the time of the Yam Suf. But I find it very interesting that you know Baruchias you know goes through a history again. The Torah is not a history book. The Bible, the 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 five books of Moshe are not a history book it's a guidebook there are stories that are put in to teach us lessons because if you look at the timeline Shamos takes place and one aspect and then Vayukra has all the laws of the Kohen and whatnot and, and Bamidbar and Devarm it like fast forwards a lot of years you go from the second year in the desert all the way to the end what happened with the other 38 years nothing interesting happened no, it wasn't the lessons that we had to learn from the 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 they sent in the beginning and then they were they were they were stuck traveling many times and then they come to the end and moshe talks to everyone the question is that uh, that that moshe uses interesting words to explain different things to the people he recounts their journeys and he recounts different events sometimes subtly hinting to things and in- innuating things and explaining things and and one of the things that he says is in Perak Aleph, Pasuk, Chaf, Chet, moreover we have seen the sons of the giants there, Bnei Anakim, the descendants of Shama Chazai, and Azal who fell from heaven in the generation of Enosh, Rashi points out. These are the giants, and Rashi also points out the cities are great and fortified up to the heavens. The scriptural text here is taking and talking in exaggerated terms. Sifri points out with Hulan, also sources from Chabad. It's interesting that when Moshe uses certain words, subtlety and whatnot, it's, it's specifically done because that's the way he wants things to be intinuated or insinuated, intimated. That's, that's the way he does it on purpose so that we can learn from the words, we can learn from how he goes about explaining things to us. And that's a lesson for us. When it comes to using our words... Hashem grants us X number of words, billions of billions of words for our lifetime. Once you use up those words, your time is done. Once you use up those words, your time is done. So you have to make sure to use the words wisely. And you have to make sure that you don't waste your words. You have to make sure that you know your words are finite and that you should make sure to choose your words carefully. Think about what your words will be, think about how you could use the words, what you're going to use your words for, and what can you talk about with your words. Moshe himself chooses the words in such a way that he does so as well. The Chabad points out also that the Hasidic masters explain that the generation of the of the Meraglim was loath to enter the land to enter the land because they feared the transition from the spiritual life they led in the desert, where they were sustained by bread from heaven, the manna, and all their physical needs were provided by miraculous means, and their sole occupation was the study of Torah, the service of God to a life on the land and all the material entanglement that this brings, excuse me. The, this explains the spies' mention of the sons of the giant that we just saw in the Pasuk they encountered in the land. The Medrash in Yalka points out, relates the story of these fallen angels. In the years before the flood, when violence and immorality pervaded the earth, which still happens nowadays, there's much of both things, unfortunately, two angels, Shamachazai and Azal, pleaded before Hashem, allow us to dwell among the humans and we shall sanctify your name. But no sooner had the two heavenly beings come in contact with the material world than they too were corrupted. If these heavenly beings, the spies were saying, could not survive the plunge to materiality, what could be expected of us, mortal and fragile men? So it's basically two things that we could learn about, that we could think about when we're addressing and we're assessing Devarim and the aspect of the last 37 days of Moshe's life. First of all, Take it as a as a Musra Haskel, a rebuke and a, a lesson that when you have limited time, you should realize what to do with the limited time. You should realize what to say with your words, what to do with your words. Moshe knew he only had 37 days left and you know the last thing he did, last action they say was the, the war with the, the nation that Hashem asked him to fight against because after that you'll be gathered to his people. You would think that he would prolong it and maybe not want to do it, because it's contingent of it, it's that he's going to die. But Moshe said, no, I'm going to do it anyway. And the people might not have wanted him to do it, because he was their beloved leader. But no, he did it, they listened, and they went and they fought, and then that was the end. So when you realize that you have a limited time in this world, we're only granted 120 years, we should be so zochet to get 120 years, but it's not granted that everyone will get such a long life, that everyone will have such a long life. What are we going to do? with our life. What are we going to do with our words? Are we going to use our words for good? I talk about it all the time. Hashem gives us talents and abilities. I love to speak. I love to talk. And in college, I used it not for the best purpose. I had a radio show in college. One of my favorite things to do in senior year was once a week for about an hour, but it was it was a social show. It wasn't really used for Torah. So instead, what can I do with my words? Hashem put into my mind a couple of years ago to make Podcasts and use them in a Jewish way, in a helpful way. So the OT one is not Jewish specific, but we try to use it to help people. And the four shows, the live show, the partial show, the daf show, and the and the perkyalva show, we try to use it in a Torah way because we only have limited words in this world. Moshe uses his words the last 37 days to talk to the people, to recount to the people, to explain to the people. To show to the people, to guide to the people, what can we do with our own Dalat Almas to talk out in life and to act? In a right way in life, you only have a certain amount of time. The Gemara teaches us that you should live every day in repentance, thinking that it might be your last day, and, and in such a way you could live a full day in repentance. Otherwise, how can you go about it? Because uh, the person said, it says you should repent one day before your death, and the students asked the sage who said this, How do you know when you're going to die? So he said, Every night you should repent, every day you should repent, because maybe tomorrow will be your last day, God forbid. And this way, all of your days will be living. will be lived in repentance. So Moshe has this limited time left, and he has these words, these limited words left. And he explains to the people, it's not really a materialistic life. We live in a materialistic way, but it has to be a spiritual way that we live using materialistic things. So for me, talking... You know, we have the words, we have the machinery, we have the technology, but what do we do with it? We take the materialistic and we elevate to the spiritual. That's the whole aspect of our way of life. With wine, we elevate with a bracha. With bread, we elevate with a bracha. We take a lul of a myrtle branch and we elevate it into a mitzvah. We take a talus, which is a prayer shawl, which is just a cloth, or it sits, is, and we elevate it. We make something that feels material, and we make it into a wonderful, beautiful thing, and it's actually a mitzvah. We take our aspects of our lives, we take our words, of words and material things. How do we make it into such a thing that we could fortify it up to Hashem? We realize that it's, it's an interesting existence. We always have the, the, the pull between the, the physical and the spiritual in this life. We talked about this last year also. We have the nefesh bahami and nefesh You the the spiritual element of yourself fighting the, the material aspect of yourself. And the, it's a juggling game. It's a question, how can you juggle the two? How can we go about incorporating the two? We have to take the spiritual and infuse it into the material. Take the material and really influence it into the spiritual. When we have food or we have meals, do we live to eat or we eat to live? We make sure that we, that we eat just so that we could live. And we make the brachos and we elevate. And we make it into a, a spiritual experience. We make it into a way that we can make our lives much more spiritual and less materialistic. So Moshe teaches to us, just by the fact that it says Devarim, just by the fact that the book is called Devarim, that we could go about it in such a way that we we, we talk things out and we, and, we, and we act things out in such a way, using our words wisely, using our time on earth wisely, using our existence in a wise way, in a proper way, to be able to influence those around us, to be able to affect those around us and to make good effects to everything around us. We want to make sure that when we're in this world, we're getting many things accomplished. And we want to make sure that we know what to do with our words, that we know what to do with our time. Vosha saw that he had X number of time left. He saw there's only X number of words he could use. How could we use those words? How can we help those around us he recounts the experience explaining in subtle ways and in intimating ways and that's also a lesson for us as well when we have to criticize people we have a whole lecture about this on the tani talks life formerly the lecture series there's a whole way to criticize people you should do it in a loving way in a proper way and in a in a loving fashion with soft words and a soft tone Moshe didn't yell at them at the top of his lungs for thirty seven days the last thirty seven days he did it in a way that came from an aspect of love it came from an aspect of 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 teaching to them and giving them the the guidance to to live in life when we talk to others we should interact in such a way in such a loving way using the words in a proper way that really has a good interaction. If someone comes to you, I've also talked about this before, if someone comes to you and attacks you with words, I've had this before with my own boss's administration or experiences in life, someone comes to you and attacks you in an antagonistic way, how do you respond with your words? They want to get a rise out of you. They want you to be antagonistic in response, and then it could just keep escalating escalating. But how do you break the escalation? How do you break the the effects of such a conversation. The answer is to answer in a soft tone or to not answer at all because they want to get the rise. They want to get the response by acting against your nature. Ezekiel, Gibor Hakobish, as Yitzhak as Yitzhak teaches us, you go against your nature with your words and you choose not to answer or you choose to answer softly. That's a good way to respond. So when you talk to others, you should talk in a soft manner, using your words wisely, carefully chosen, realizing that we're only given X amount of words in our lifetime, we're only given X amount of years in our lifetime, we should be Zohar, to always written in the book of life, for 120 years, but we think about the fact that we come to Devarim, and it's a whole safer dedicated to, to Moshe recounting new laws and old laws, recounting experiences of the travels, and exhorting the Jewish people for the future and the future future, Realizing that it's about the words chosen it 's about realizing that it's a materialistic life that we elevate to the spiritual. The Jews were going to go into Israel and they started to have to plant and and farm and they weren't used to that. they were used to a fully you know fully miraculous existence in the desert being protected the clothing grew with them the food was absorbed they didn't even have to 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 get rid of the food and whatnot with their systems, it was a whole miraculous existence and now they were going into the material. And that's the way, you know, nowadays it is and it might be the way that it's always supposed to be where we have to figure out how to infuse the spiritual into the physical. So it's really a two-part message. We think about the words, how to use our words, how to use our time. And we think about the material, how to infuse that into our lives. Of words and the materialistic nature, we learn from Devarim, from Moshe talking, exhorting the people... How to do so in our own lives as well, to try to make a difference, make the world better, little by little, every single day. Join us next time as we talk Tani Talks Parsha, some practical lessons from the Parsha of the Week, and I'm your host, Tani.